0: Hello, True Believers. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M.
1: I'm Lorraine Sink.
2: This is Jason Eichelhardt, a.k.a. JMI.
0: And you are listening to This Week in Marvel. Now, given the current state of events in the United States, we wanted to take a step back and acknowledge what is happening in the world and in everyone's lives at present. We are horrified by the recent killing of George Floyd and the continued violence being carried out against protesters around the world.
1: All of us at This Week in Marvel and um, Marvel as a whole recognize that there is a long history of racism and acts of violence against black and brown people that have led to this moment. As police violence and protests seeking justice continue to unfold, we just really think it's important to speak up.
2: Now, let us be clear. We stand for inclusion and we stand against racism and white supremacy. We stand with our fellow Black employees, storytellers, and creators, and we stand with the entire Black community
0: because Black Lives Matter. So, what can we do? What can the three of us do? What can everybody listening do? Uh, well, one thing is to donate. Disney, yeah. uh, who is our parent company, has pledged to donate $5 million to nonprofit organizations that advance social justice. And so, We're looking at some of the places that um, Disney supports and and some of the places that mean something to us individually. And I I know each of us has connections to, to some of those organizations.
2: Um, one of the ones that I, I wanted to uh, put up there was uh, my brother's Keepers Alliance. Um, it was started by Barack Obama, and it's a really, really cool organization that helps not just uh, Black people, but uh, but young uh, men of color. It's just it's a place where the where the young men can go to learn how to become the men they're supposed to be. It's really cool.
1: Um, I wanted to give a shout out, of course, to the NAACP for what they're doing. Right now, but I also wanted to highlight the Pan African Film Festival because Black stories are incredibly important. We are in a storytelling business, and to deny the power of that would be to deny reality. So the Pan African Film Festival.
2: Yeah, I like that one.
0: And I wanted to shine a spotlight on Unidos US, which is um, an organization that works for Latinos in areas of. Like civic engagement, just U.S. is a great organization.
1: Um, but there are many, many wonderful organizations that you can donate to. Uh, we have some more that uh, we feel passionate about, um, and you can check out links on the website. The article about this particular podcast should have more resources.
2: Another crucial thing that we all need to do is we need to listen and learn. Now, now here are some recommendations for some educational podcasts from us uh, about racism. Uh, One is Seeing White. Seeing White is a series of episodes from the podcast Seen on Radio, like Seen in a Movie, Seen on Radio, that takes a deep dive into the roots of white supremacy. Get into it, learn, and educate yourself.
0: Another one is United States of Anxiety, and it's hosted by journalist Kai Wright. And this show, it, it digs into the cultural divides that have shaped what this country is for centuries. One of its recent episodes is called Keep Calm and Check Your Bias. And it's about how racial bias actually goes up during times of crisis.
1: And of course, I wanted to shout out Marvel's Voices. Um, Angelique Brochet is the fearless host every week and she spotlights underrepresented storytellers. And also she is one of my favorite people, so I can't help but love it. But she is doing the work every... Episode, so please check it out. And of course, she's also on the Women of Marvel podcast. And there is a particularly excellent episode this week that has more resources and a statement there. So go listen to our sister pod over there.
0: Yeah, and of course, there are a ton of resources for anyone who is interested in getting active and getting educated to read to watch to listen to help you get informed about racism and advocacy and what you can do you can listen you can learn from those impacted most by racism and that's something that we we can all do everywhere and it's it's something that's not going to start with this uh, because people have this has been going on for a long time and it sure as hell should not end at this moment.
2: And to all our listeners, to all our listeners, we just want to thank you. And please remember to take care of yourself and those around
3: you.
0: All right. With that said, let's get into This Week in Marvel, episode number 449 proper. And uh, we're going to change things up a little bit because we have an amazing guest this week. And Lorraine, you and James uh, were able to talk to uh, a wonderful guest and have a great conversation. Am I right?
1: Um. Can I just say... I was just fangirling most of the conversation. I wish you could see me. We were over (laughs) Skype, but I was just kind of staring dreamy-eyed at these two guys, (laughs) just being I don't know, brilliant and interesting and delightful. So I was just happy to to be in the room where it happens. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was great. That was great. That was a great segue. Uh, the fun thing is, uh, the man who we introduced is uh, one of my dear friends, uh, Mr. Utkash Mbakar. And the crazy thing about him is, yes, he is a wonderful actor in Hollywood and on TV. And yes, he is one of the dopest MCs on the mic and got bars for days. But the brother's knowledge of comic book artists <laughs> and writers is kind of unparalleled. It's really sickening how much he knows and he had a field day but also um, the one thing uh, was so funny was that uh, we were expecting to like go into all this different comic book stuff and Gambit stuff and because of what was happening in our world Utkarsh kind of had a moment where he just you know wanted to speak his mind and what was happening in the world. And it was, we got really deep, we got really deep and it was uh, a great conversation with, uh, his nickname, is his, uh, his rap tag is UTK the INC. So I always call him UTK. So between Lorraine and myself and UTK, we got into some deep conversations and it was um, really cathartic actually to kind of like just let it all come out. Ladies and gentlemen, this amazing and wonderful man is one of my brothers. He is from Freestyle Love Supreme. He has also been seen in things like Pitch Perfect, Britney Runs a Marathon, and TV shows like Mindy Project, and of course, White Famous on Showtime. Ladies and gentlemen, Wrap Utkarsh Imbakar.
3: La- a- a- <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Better known to me as UTK the INC. How are you doing, UTK? Oh, man. I am happy to see you, Lorraine. It's nice to see you too and meet you. Um you know if i it's a challenging time right now in the country yes, and the yes, world so for yes, me to be like i'm doing well would be ingenuine i'm happy to see you and i i think there's a lot of parallels to be drawn especially from the marvel universe to what's going on today i've been thinking about it a lot i'm a comic book fiend for those people listening i'm at either golden apple or midtown comics or forbidden planet or anytime i'm on set whether it be in baton rouge atlanta new zealand south africa i always find the local comic book shop and i get my pull list and i start i start going that's always the first clubhouse that i go to to meet people like myself so i've been steeped in the history of comic books for my whole life and there's a few things that come up right these in moments like now, which is extreme civil unrest in the country, right? And you look at comic books and the way that writers, writers have always created stories out of this struggle. Superman, I know this is a Marvel podcast, but our first popular superhero was born out of the Jewish struggle during World War II and Superman was essentially created to fight Nazis, right? And if we're bringing it to Marvel, the X-Men were created out of the civil rights movement to draw a parallel between the black experience but you know, thinly veiled in mutants, right? And it's been so interesting because like diversity is huge, right? And I have a five-year-old girl, James, I know you're raising everybody's kids. Oh, yes. Um, Yeah. But (laughs) a big thing for me, the way I communicate with my daughter is through superheroes. Like she's upstairs right now on a preschool Zoom class in full Wonder Woman gear with the shield, (laughs) the sword, everything, talking to her classmates about at her secret identity, and it's really important to me to diversify what, what she takes in. The challenge is, is I'm trying to empower her as a woman, a young girl. I'm also trying to teach her that brown skin, for those, you can't see me, I'm Indian. My skin is very dark. Yeah, he's darker than me. But much better looking. But- um, That's true too. <laughs> the uh, The challenge has been, like I'm trying to go online, right? Because I, I realized like I got her all these action figures, right, we're in quarantine, and I'm basically just building her lexicon. And I got her all these action figures, I got her boom boom from x factor, I got her squirrel girl, and Spider Man, we've sort of populated her world with these heroes that she loves, but they're all white, they're all Caucasian. And yeah. then when I ask her what she thinks is beautiful, she's a mixed race child. She aspires to a white ideal of beauty. And it's embarrassing for me to share that with you guys, but it's true. And as much as we try, then I go, okay, okay, I get it. I understand, right? The entertainment, all of the Disney princesses, like, I get it. It's not this kid's fault. It's not our fault as parents. But then let me populate her superhero world with women, particularly women of color, to try and just balance it out. But dude, they're hard to come by. That it, it
2: is true. I realized as, as a kid of color, the hero I aspired to was also white as well. It, it wasn't until I got older, you know, like in my preteens where I was able to find like I have a whole thing. I have a whole collection of, of, of action figures of people of color. You know, that's like the thing. If I see them, I buy them. I'm like, oh, I have to have that one. And it, it, re- it really is a, um, I understand it's a struggle about trying to find them. They're there, but it's trying to find them because. What's funny is they're out there, but everybody, they're all being bought up by folks of color trying to do the same thing you're trying to do.
3: It's really tough, man. It's hard just finding any superhero of color. I use superheroes. I use the allegories to teach my child. And what I missed out on the fact was, is that she's watching the Avengers. She's watching all these things. She's not watching the Avengers, but she's we're watching the kiddie version, right? We're doing the books yeah. to learn how to read. and. Visually, she's taking in this sort of white Euro idea of beauty, and she's seeing brown skin, like her dad's brown skin, without even knowing it as subconsciously other or less than. And it's not her fault. But like, there's no no Indian characters.
2: The last time someone said, hey, there isn't this, Marvel people contacted him and had them write stuff. Yo,
3: I got you, Marvel, Lorraine. Why the f am I not writing for Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> you can take existing properties like you've done with Miss Marvel really well, by the way. Ironheart, like um like really well done. Obviously Miles Morales was knocked it out of the park in terms of what these characters are capable of when you switch them and put them in a modern modern world. Yo, Nightcrawler as a South Asian would be Yeah, I love the I love the idea of Kurt. I love I love that he's been outcasted since he was a kid. I love that the things that make him special were attacked. I, I love that he is a man of strong faith, that he's yeah. that he still has a sense of humor, that our most misunderstood, our most violent, our most dangerous character in the Marvel Universe, Wolverine, is his best friend. Right. I love that he has the ability to tap into our, the darkest souls in the Marvel Universe. And even in the new... Um, X-Men run, right? That's being done by Lionel Yu and Jonathan Hickman. I love that he has the wherewithal to see the big picture and like actually ask Wolverine as Apocalypse is sort of like killing the Guthrie girl to get her reborn. I love that he's like, I think I need to start a new religion, a mutant religion. <laughs> like I, yeah. he's he's one of the most thoughtful, self-aware characters in the Marvel universe. I, I don't know. I could talk about Nightcrawler. These, these are just conversations to open up the idea of like what these characters are capable of, if if you put the ethos and the spirit in a different package, you know, it could fit in a sound. Like a re- like package. a reimagining. Yeah, exactly. Like a reimagining Thank you. of yeah. it.
2: Uh, like like they reimagined, you know, Spider Man and then if they could reimagine Nightcrawler in that in that style, you know.
1: Is it okay if I ask a little bit about what got you into comics in the first place?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. How did I get into comics? You know, Jim Lee, Chris Claremont, X-Men run. That is my first recollection of Marvel Comics. But, you know, there was a lending library in India that I used to go to when I would visit my family in Madras. And you would go to this library and for what would amount to maybe a nickel, you could get as many comic books as you wanted. But I would go and I would read these comics. And that's sort of how I took these stories in. But then like 1990, 91, X-Men was just ubiquitous. (laughs) For those who don't know, there was an X-Men cartoon. There was this Jim Lee, Chris Claremont reimagining of what the X-Men is. There was the Executioner's Song, which was this amazing crossover event that came in, the comics came in plastic bags with a trading card. Also, for those who don't know, for me, trading cards were a big deal when I was a kid.
2: Oh man, huge.
3: Oh, and then G.I. Joe. I have a very large collection of G.I. Joe collectibles and G.I. Joe had a long Marvel run um, yeah. that was really well written by this guy named Larry Hama, super true to military experiences as far as a comic book goes. They did not shy away from violence or death in their stories and the women were badass and there was, there was more diversity and uh, I, th- I think that's what got me into Marvel. I'm, I'm guessing that G.I. Joe Marvel run got me into it. In any case, at 13, I remember distinctly, I'm in the mall, I've just gone to the comic book shop and then Anne and Elaine and Emily roll up and they're like, what's in the bag? And I go, (laughs) it's definitely for me, but I go, oh, I got a comic book for my baby cousin for his birthday. Oh. And realized that I needed to retire my comic book um, reading so I stopped reading from 13 to, I want to say, 20. I took a... Seriously? Yeah, I took an extended hiatus due to my embarrassment about what it what it meant. Um, cut to right out of college, or at the same time, I might have still been a senior in college, I booked this movie with Anna Kendrick, Reese Thompson, directed by Jeffrey Blitz, called Rocket Science. It was meant to be like a very Wes Anderson-esque Indie film, it won the audience award at Sundance. um, And I was to play sort of the comedic, I guess you could call it a villain, anti-hero in that movie. Um, I was significantly older than most people. I remember Anna and I hit it off. We ended up doing Pitch Perfect together as well. Right. So I've known her for years. Um, But we we knew each other when we were nobodies, right? Oh, I miss Anna. (laughs) Good on her... um, for speaking out and protesting and and being a part of this movement, you know, just to branch out these people with millions and millions of followers who are white or appear white. The fact that more and more people are reaching out and using their sizable social platforms to try and at least galvanize people into making a change for social good is appreciated by by us. Um, In any case, that rocket science experience I was getting per diem $90 a day, my boy, I was like. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Dang. What am I going to do at ninety dollars? For those, who don't, a for those day? who don't
2: know, per diem, per diem, you get you get a paycheck, and then they give you a per diem, which is supposed to be what you're supposed to live on. So basically, Utkarsh is saying he's out in Baltimore, and they said, "Look, here's your paycheck, but you're gonna live
3: on this ninety dollars, which you can't." What? Do. I mean, twenty year old <laughs> me, I was living on ninety dollars. Living. I was like, I, I don't need but fifteen dollars to get some Chinese food. And then what am I gonna <laughs> do with the other 70 bucks? I'm like, I got a car. Cause I'm, I'm, for those that don't know, I'm from Maryland. So I just, I basically went home to shoot my first movie, but there was a Barnes and Noble right across from whatever Marriott Mar- Staybridge Suites. And I had this per diem and I went over there and the comic book bug got reborn. I had extra money. Yeah. I started getting comic books. And I remember that trip in particular, it wasn't the most fun movie to work on because I felt, for some reason, I just didn't feel like I fit in, whether imagined or real. But I started reading the Ultimate Ultimate Spider-Man series. Awesome book. Which at that point was in maybe eight or nine books deep, right? And then I just started filling in all these amazing stories that I had missed. Avengers disassembled, all the, the Hulk runs, But in any case, like I caught up on everything and Jeffrey Blitz, the director, he was a big comic book fan. He gave me a stack of um, comics. And I remember that was like the first time I went back to a comic book shop that I can remember really and um, started really getting back into it. And since then I just picked up everything like House of M, Civil War, Ultimate Spider-Man, all the Ultimate X-Men, where basically the ultimate universe, just like the Ultimates, are you kidding me? (sighs)
1: Okay. Yes, I mean,
2: come on, just just amazing. So like you, as, as this comic book fan, as this kid who loved comics, what made you pursue acting and rapping and which came first, the acting or the rapping? And was, did you start all that after you met your friends in the mall who saw you with the comic books and decided to jump into something else? Because there was a gap of 13 to 20. So was it the fact that you said, hey, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm gonna jump into acting or jump into rapping. So what happened? How, how did How did that transition?
3: Uh, Man, you James, you know more than anybody. Sometimes we're just made for things. True. We don't find them, they find us. But um ever since I was a kid, I've had a tape recorder and I've been recording songs in the basement into a tape recorder. I've always dreamed of being in like All for One or Boys to Men <laughs> or As Yet or Shy. <laughs>
2: For, for those people who don't know, I mean, we we'll get it, We might get this a little later, but I want to say it right now just because he said it. Uh, Utkarsh and I are in a group called Freestyle Love Supreme, which is a hip-hop improvisational group. And you know some of the big names from it. Lin-Manuel Miranda, Daveed Diggs, Chris Jackson. I mean, we, if you're, if your kid watches Sesame Street, our guy Bill Sherman is the musical director for Sesame Street. And one of the cool things about it is we have certain parts of our show where we get to sit down and sing together. And whenever... We get to do this moment. There's this game we play called True. Utkarsh is usually in the middle and he loves it when we all hit harmony. He gets so excited because he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll sing something, Lorraine. And he'll go, we all did that in harmony. And, and Utkarsh is a really good singer. Utkarsh is a very good singer. Thank you. We'll go back to how you got started, but you said you would love these groups. but it's so funny to you to say that because it's so great when we sing together because you, it, I could feel the passion for it.
1: Can I just say, I, so I do musical improv. I used to teach at the Magnet and at the Pit, and I took a, a freestyle class because cool. I was like, I've, I like, I I love North Coast. I love freestyle. I love Supreme. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Musical improv is like you just have to hit one rhyme, and you have like these long lines to get to a something interesting to say. You have to be so brilliant to do what you guys do. Like you have to ride on the back of a dragon and just hope it takes you somewhere. It's wild to me.
3: What you well, do. there's different approaches, right? Like you can do multi rhymes. You can do like "Lorraine on the brain," and we go in and saying a see-through like cellophane, and I'm running the game, the Hall of Fame way I played, and I feel no pain, and I'ma do it all day long, man. And I'm like, or you could go, "Hey, I'm here with Lorraine, and I'm going insane, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I got the whole game." Like, there's so many me. different <laughs> ways, yeah, but but that's like still, but it still works. It's not it more works. entertaining. Because you have the vowel sounds and the way that you can play with time and space, I think is more interesting at times than verbal de- dexterity. But these are all these are all things you learn as as the more and more you do <laughs> as it. As you go along,
2: when you started rapping, I mean, who were the MCs you looked up to? I mean, what what happened? How did that how did that evolution happen to the to the kid who was at the tape recorder to the MC you are now?
3: Yeah, you know, it was like Tretch from Naughty by Nature, who I think is. Highly slept on uh, Snoop, uh, Q Tip, who I who I get compared to a lot vocally, just in terms of our tone. But when I heard Eminem, I was like this compound syllable, like egg horn, like acorn with the foghorn leg horn. Uh, yeah, you know, his content was atrocious. But hip hop, the content of hip hop has always been controversial. So
2: there's always like. Three styles One that's trying to make money One that's trying to make A conscious You know Positive outlook For what's happening In the streets Or what's happening In the world And then there's always That one It's just like Yo I'm just gonna be Straight ratchet gangster. This is what we're talking about And I'm I'm, I'm gonna just be me There's always those Three lines of hip hop That do that Did hip hop get you Into acting or
3: No I fell into it man I broke my wrist Freshman year of high school (laughs) I wanted to play I mean like I don't know how else to say it. Just I, I needed a place to fit in It's just that simple. And we moved in the middle of eighth grade to a new neighborhood. And the first thing I was ever in was some Indian cultural show, just because my Um, mom was like, you need friends. Like I I was pretty (laughs) bummed out for like a year, pretty lonely um, at 12 or 13, which is many, many years ago now, but at the time felt pretty serious. And uh, I remember getting on stage and improvising all the lines instead of doing what was written and having, (laughs) having a great time. Then I wanted to be on the basketball team. I broke my wrist. Sophomore year of high school, uh, my mother or I or somebody encouraged me to sign up for the school play. It was Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. Got on stage, improvised Shakespeare. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Please tell me there's a video of that. I wish there was. There, there's got to be. I uh-huh. can reach out to my high school. I, I No, I'm, I'm not going to, but somebody can. And then I caught the bug. I caught the community. I felt the family. I felt the buzz. I started doing all of the dance competitions in high school, anything to get out of class and to perform, I caught that bug. And I found that I had like an aptitude for it. And, you know, I I felt like I was the most proficient or among the most proficient performers in my high school. And when I looked at sort of rival high schools and what they were doing, I felt that I was equal to or better than what was happening there. I felt sort of confident in my abilities, which is not a feeling that I feel elsewhere in life. But um, <laughs> it's certainly uh, nice to have at least one thing that I feel like I'm good at in my life. And then I told my parents I wanted to be an actor and you know they responded the way two PhD biochemist Indian immigrants would. <laughs> you know, Their response was like, I mean, it's funny now, if you look at things full circle, it's like, my mom, the exact quote was, the only Indian on television is Apu on the Simpsons and he's a cartoon uh, voiced by a white man. And yes. then cut to maybe 15 years later, and I'm the first South Asian actor to ever voice a character on The Simpsons, playing Apu's and you nephew. Are Apu's nephew, yes. <laughs> and then Hank Azaria, who's a good friend, who I cherish as a friend and as a mentor, who came and saw Freestyle Love Supreme. Hank Azaria yes. and I have, have a frank conversation surrounding this documentary, The Problem with Apu, that my good friend Hari Kundabolu made. And Hank retires the character of Apu, or retires from voicing that character. Yeah. As a result of not solely of of my participation, but of being involved in the conversation around that character, Hank decides to to step away from it, which I thought was an extremely brave and powerful move. Very, it's many men, yeah. and he knows this. I love Hank. It's way, way, way overdue. But like, I'm glad that he took initiative when he did. Which is all to say, like my mom told me in our minivan, driving down Darnstown Road, Route 28 in Maryland, when I was a junior in high school, that this man was the reason I couldn't be on TV. And then I ended up being on the same show with that same dude. It's pretty cool. Life has a way of finding nice little bookends, if you let it. And then I went to NYU and I started acting school there because you can't go to college for freestyle rap. But no, we just started this school, didn't we? Freestyle Love Supreme Yeah, Academy. we did. We
2: just started the school. Now now you can. People going to start getting degrees in this stuff.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and then I found at NYU that I was uh, one of two South Asians. Shout out to Nitya Vidyasagar from Sesame Street, who was the other one there with me, and Arjun Gupta, who was uh, two years younger than me, from The Magicians. But in any case, I found that the, the environment did not suit my cultural growth, I did not feel like I fit in. It was interesting, whereas I had been ostracized for being South Asian, in Maryland in high school, by most people made fun of when I got to New York, I was exoticized for being Indian. Uh, we love yoga, we, you know, every every white woman with a with a ohm tattoo, we love Indian food, and your brown skin is so beautiful. And so it became uh, so it went from being a negative to an extreme positive, almost to be fetishized for it. And I, I played into it. I started wearing freaking Cortas to class. And it's been a challenge to be a grounded human being when the need for attention, when you don't get it at a young age, attention becomes yeah. um, something that you look to for validation and self-worth. And it's very. it's been a, a lifelong journey to sort of step away from the need for attention and realize where it's coming from and cultivate deeper avenues for self-worth and self-love that don't require anyone else's opinion. In any case, I'm at NYU. I'm not feeling it. I start going to the New York and Poets Cafe. I'm doing slam poetry there. I start going to the clubs. I start rapping in the clubs. I start taking hip hop really seriously, which is becoming this freestyle party trick. I start taking it seriously. I start writing rhymes down. I start writing my own rhymes. I'm battling all my early theater work is in hip hop theater, um, History of the Word at Crossroads Theater. It's a Tony winning theater at Rutgers was my first theater job. From there, I went to the hip hop theater show Welcome to Arroyos written by Chris Diaz, who's a writer on Glow. I gave him his whole career. He should be thanking me to this day. (laughs) From there, I joined Freestyle Love Supreme in and around there meet James Monroe Iglehart, the imitable James Monroe Iglehart. We join in this group hip hop gets me there. Pitch Perfect comes into my life. Yeah. I'm a beatboxer mm-hmm. and a rapper. And the role was for beatboxing. I go, hey, I rap too. It would behoove you to let me rap in this show. I really liked this song by B.O.B. and Rivers Cuomo called Magic. It just so happened that they put that song in, literally me. I had imagined that it would be a great song for me to do, and then it was the song that I did at the end, which people love. Mindy Kaling saw Pitch Perfect. She said, oh, this kid raps. I wanna do a rapping brother on my show. She offered me the role of her brother. That got me into the TV world. And hip hop has been a through line in my entire career. Barbershop, uh, the language of the dozens, the way that we spit back and forth. I think it really Mm -hmm. helped me get that job. And only now with recent movies like Free Guy and Britney Runs a Marathon, I think have I branched away from music being at the backbone of how I get my acting work. And it's, it's, you know, it's a unicorn experience, man. Not, they want Indians to be a certain way in Hollywood. They want us to sit behind a computer and tell James Bond where the exotic woman is. And they want us to be things that I'm inherently not. So... Well, the,
2: well, the funny thing is, I love how you say that. You know, you know, it's true. Hollywood wants people of color to be a certain way but every one of your characters in every film and every television show that you've done is not that. Right. And you have inadvertently, just because of who you are and how you look at the world and how you audition and how you perform outside of anything behind the camera, people want to see that. People want to see that personality because they're not used to seeing an Indian person do that. And it's kind of fun to watch how far you've come and what, what you have done in Hollywood with what people said you couldn't do in Hollywood as an Indian actor.
3: Thanks, man. So it's really cool, I, it's true. L- I look, I, I, you know, I'll say with all the humility in my heart that you're totally right, I am the best. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is so off topic, but back on Marvel. I have to ask you this question, it's gonna come out of nowhere. Yeah. Do you think Iron Fist is overrated, underrated, or properly rated?
3: I think as a huge fan of Iron Fist and I loved the um the standalone series where he like had to fight his way out of the underworld. I I like loved The Immortal Iron Fist. I loved mm. it so much. So I would say as a fan, totally underrated. I would say yes. as a television property, way <laughs> way overrated and as a result of those two things I think he's probably properly rated. I think, again, he's a character that, like many characters born out of the 70s, they were so cartoonish and so flamboyant with a very goofy, super goofy outfit, but a really interesting story. Father goes yeah. into the to the um, Himalayas, father loses his mind, mother dies, saving him. He's brought up by monks in a magical city of Kyun Lun, or however you say that, Kyun Lun. And he becomes the immortal Iron Fist. Only problem is now that we know these characters should be indigenous of the cultures that they cherry picked from, which at the time was totally appropriate and very entertaining. But now there is a space to really open up these stories. But let us be superheroes. You know, like we can be hero or hero adjacent for sure.
2: Which leads me into this question here. Because of the Marvel Universe and your knowledge of the Marvel Universe, which one's your favorite film?
3: Oh, man. So I would say there are moments from all. I think top to bottom, front to back, Ragnarok wins by a landslide. Nice. And then if you're looking for Pathos, the Thanos saga, the last two. Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, specifically like on your six, you hear Anthony Mackie as the Falcon on your six. Woo. And then they <laughs> all show up, and then you're like, it can't get better than this. Except when um, Homegirl gets knocked down, and then they're like, we got her sisters with her, and then yeah, oh, all the girls. It's, like, it's
2: actually it's like Spider Man gets knocked down, and um, Captain Marvel comes in, and he goes, I don't know how you're going to get through that. And uh, Sheree says, Nah, don't worry, she's not alone. She's yeah. show up. That moment is just I, ugh.
3: the cheer, the the scream that happened in the theater. Like, I'm, is that everybody getting chills? Yeah. Yo, yeah. Oh, trust me, I, I was, yeah. was nice. the greatest feeling.
1: Um, because you are such a fan of the artists, top three artists.
3: Lionel Yu's number one, without question, for me. I, I just love his pencil work. I think David Finch is another one of my favorites. And then um, I think Frank Quietly did the Grant, Mor- Grant Morrison new X-Men run. But his pen work is so, so un- uncomfortable. I love the way he, he makes me, me feel in that way. And then I would say in Cassidy, that X Men run, yo, that is, that is top to bottom, almost perfect. There is so little wrong, if anything, with that entire series, uh, including the Kitty Pride phasing through the,
1: the bullet. bullet.
3: Beautiful. The silence in those images. Scott getting his vision back. It's like that, that, that highly complex romance between Scott and Emma, and how like just morally ambiguous they all are. Oh my God. The X Men and Deadpool too. Shout out to my bestie Ryan Reynolds. What movie are you doing with with Ryan? It's called Free Guy. Uh, it was supposed to come out on July fourth. It's coming out in December. Last I checked and it is a video game movie it's a, a video game character named Guy comes to life realizes he's in a video game that is full of torture hate and anger and he is an innocent soul who comes into um sentience in a, a really destructive world and he has to find a way to bring uh, to to change it it's a action packed really entertaining Action comedy, Ryan Reynolds, Jodie Comer from Killing Eve, Joe Keery, who plays Steve on Stranger Things, Taika Waititi, who plays Korg and directed Ragnarok and is directing the next Thor movie, and uh, Lil Rel Howery from Get Out, uh, nice. and Uncle Drew. And um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> also super Uncle slept George. on. That movie's so entertaining. And um, and myself. And uh, it's amazing how it was made as a piece of entertainment, directed by Sean Levy, who did it The Night at the Museum movies. But it's a a really strange allegory for the way the world is right now. It's very weird how pertinent and appropriate it is to come out in 2020.
2: Let me tell you something, bro. Uh, Having you on has been one of the coolest things ever. Uh, You are one one of my dear friends and one of my favorite people. You have one of the biggest hearts and you wear it on your sleeve and you do your best to not only entertain the folks but educate the folks and help the folks as well so having you on the show is awesome thanks I love man
3: you. we i will say this real quick I, I know you guys are we've been talking for a long time but we were supposed to talk about gambit we didn't talk about him at all i'll just say one thing they did him real dirty in the house of M, just making him a thief <laughs> on one panel that's all i'll say and then i'll say goodbye to you
2: Listen, brother, thank you for being on the show. We love you, man. You probably will definitely be back to talk more about Gambit because Ryan wants to argue with you, which should be fun.
1: Thank you so much. That was incredible.
3: Thanks, guys.
2: You see, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, <laughs> the knowledge that man possesses and yet the passion with which he speaks about current events is is ridiculous. So, um, like I said, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. And when you get a chance, check out UTK. You can hear him on uh, Spotify. You can hear him on iTunes. But also, you know, check out his social media. The boy is awesome. And uh, yeah, he'll 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 be around, especially with some help from Lorraine. He'll be around Marvel for a while. <laughs>
1: Yeah, James, I know that you are an important man. You have more days to save. um, So Uh, you have to head off into the sunset.
2: I do, but I say thank you guys. Um, this, uh, This show was awesome. And I will see you guys next time.
1: All right, Ryan. So you just listened to the interview. Our friends just listened to the interview. Um, You know, Ukarsh had this great suggestion where he really wanted to know specifically for his daughter, uh, more heroes who are women of color. So I promised him that I would send him a list uh, and I would send him another copy of my book. But we threw together a list of some of our favorite women of color in the Marvel Universe. So we thought we would share that.
0: The list can go on and on. But of course, who's at the top? Who comes to mind first when you think about this list, Larry?
1: I mean, Ms. Marvel, obviously. Kamala Khan, a Pakistani-American girl from New Jersey, notably a Muslim character in the Marvel Universe, which was a very exciting uh, new addition to our universe, spearheaded by Sana Amanath, as well as G. Willa Wilson, and just a sweetheart, fangirl, funny, full of heart. I truly think she is the Spider-Man of our generation in many ways. You can, of course, read uh, Ms. Marvel by G. Willa Wilson Wilson uh, for the the first few trades. And then, of course, uh, Saladin Ahmed has taken it over for the Marvelous Ms. Marvel.
0: Um, let's see. Who else on this list? Uh, we've got Ironheart, Riri Williams, you know, another even more recent addition to the, the roster. Uh, but Amazing, brilliant engineer and superhero, member of the Champions. And there was a recent Ironheart series by Evel Ewing, and the character first appeared in some Iron Man comics by Brian Michael Bendis and crew.
1: Uh, Oh, of course, we have Mantis. She's half Vietnamese and half German. But I really recommend going back and reading her original appearance in the old Avengers comics. She has great stuff in Guardians of the Galaxy. But if you really want to see more of her history and past, I think those those comics in the late 70s are really great for that. Yeah. Uh,
0: Let's see. Up next, we've got a young New York girl, Moon Girl, a.k.a. Lunella Lafayette, uh, star of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur by Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair and crew. Um, this book is wonderful because she is the smartest human on Earth. Uh, she is actually an inhuman. She has a giant red dinosaur who she's, like, very closely connected to. She has adventures. She lives on Yancey Street, just like Ben Grimm, the Thing. She's a wonderful, wonderful character.
1: And one of my all-time favorites is um, Monica Rambeau, She was the original Captain Marvel, the first female Captain Marvel. She was the second female chairman of the Avengers. Uh, She was the first African-American woman to lead the Avengers. She's awesome.
0: Um, Let's talk about the goat, in my opinion. Storm, AKA (laughs) Aurora Monroe. For my money, just like one of the greatest characters that we have at Marvel. She's amazing literally everyone in the world knows who storm is she is one of the greatest members of the x-men ever
1: you know what um friendship i truly love is colleen wing and misty knight together they are so awesome um daughters of the dragon misty knight of course Lost her arm and she has a prosthetic. Uh, Colleen Wing is the lady with the bladey, as I like to call her. Um, she's a badass swordswoman <laughs> and martial artist. Uh, they work together and are just a phenomenal friendship of two women that I just love.
0: Uh, all right, let's see who else can we talk about. Uh, we've got Sabra, who is uh, an Israeli super agent. She was introduced during contest of the original contest of champions storyline. I believe, uh, which was in the 1980s. And she, you know, the the Contest of Champions introduced characters from different uh, nations and regions. So, you know, she's been a member of a number of super secret agent groups and organizations. And um, yeah, she's pretty cool. You can read her in that Contest of Champions series. She's been in a lot of Incredible Hulk runs, um, sort of shown up through a lot of different parts of Marvel continuity.
1: Yeah. Oh, how about America Chavez? She is not American. She is from another planet. (laughs) But her name is America Chavez, Uh, a planet of women. Send me there now. Uh, But she is phenomenal. She is a Latinx queer character who punches everybody and is a badass. And she's super sassy. And she's got a great friendship with Kate Bishop. She's rad.
0: Yeah. The list really goes on. It is um... so long. It's really long. Uh, I'm going to lightning through some of these. Shuri, of course, uh, at former, maybe current, maybe uh, future Black Panther. Uh, just an amazing technologist. Silhouette, member of the New Warriors. Snowguard, member of the Champions. Red Locust, member of the Champions. Dust, member of Champions and the X-Men. Bling, member of X-Men. Silk. I mean, Silk.
1: Come on uh. now, Silk. Cindy Moon, Moon,
0: uh, Jubilee. Think about it. Jubilee.
1: Jubes, I love Jubes. Oh man, get me the bubble gum.
0: Uh, Karma, Mirage, two New Mutants members I absolutely love. Cecilio Reyes, uh, a member of the X-Men. Also a doctor. She friggin' rules so hard. Uh, Blink, Bahamanian uh, member of sort of Generation X, but her Exiles storylines are incredible. M, Monet Saint-Croix. Saint, you like that? St. Kwa? Qua. 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 Trinery, a uh, more recent member of the X-Men teams from the last couple of years. Angel from the new X-Men run. And of course Shard Bishop, sister to Lucas Bishop, aka Bishop. He just takes his last name is just like, and then she comes up, she's like, Alright, I guess you you took our last name, I'll just be Shard.
1: Well who wants to be Bishop two or Bishop Three? <laughs>
0: nobody but that that was that's a little list i think we could probably add oh more gosh. still Pretty banging.
1: I mean, there are just so many characters to love and enjoy. So, you know, go read comics. They're fun.
0: They are super fun. Um, We, you know, we're going to talk about some new comics. We're going to talk about some other stuff. Uh, We want to make sure we still have some news and community for you guys. And uh, let's start that stuff off with uh, the fact that new comic books are coming back out. And thankfully, the team who runs Marvel.com, our friends Ron Richards and his crew, they are putting together kind of previously on, recaps for all the new books that are coming out. Um, So you can go to marvel.com slash recaps so you can see, hey, I know a bunch of books are coming out this Wednesday. What the heck happened in those books the last time they came out months ago? And um, they're going to be up there for everybody to read. All right. uh, Really fun news this week is that the Eisner nominations went out. If you don't know what the Eisner Awards are, they're kind of like the grandest awards for comic books in the industry. Think your Academy Awards, your Emmy Awards, your Tony Awards, the Eisner Awards, named after Will Eisner, one of the greatest comic book storytellers of all time, um, are traditionally, you know, revealed now, and then they are uh, presented and given out during Comic-Con. So the nominations just came out, and it's cool because Marvel has four nominations plus four shared nominations for the 2020 Eisner Awards, sort of recognizing comics that came out in in the year 2019. Uh, so we're going to run through these nominations because it's pretty freaking great. Uh, we got two for best continuing series. We have Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, and Roy Jose. Oof, yeah, that that deserves some some snaps and claps. Uh, that book is so friggin' good.
1: I mean, it's so smart. It's so well done. It's creepy. It's, it's a love letter to comics. It's a love letter to horror. It's just great
0: yeah but i will say if you are if you've never read it and you're like oh maybe i'll check it out if you don't have a stomach for body horror and like gore and stuff you may want to mm-hmm. hold off on it you yeah. can read a lot of it on marvel unlimited and it is incredible but it's a lot we also have daredevil by chip Zdarsky and marco coquetto um both of those series freaking great they should both win that's that's my that's my opinion
1: Nominated for Best New Series, Doctor Doom by Christopher Cantwell and Salvador LaRocca. This is. Kind of wild and exciting because um, Christopher Cantwell has not been in our camp for that long.
0: No, he's, um, for anybody who doesn't know, he was writer and, and a producer for Halt and Catch Fire, the TV show. And he came in with Dr. Doom. And uh, I love this series. It's really cool. It puts Doom like on his heels and it gets really weird and it's funny. There's one of my favorite issues is Doom and Kang on a road trip and just the two of them goofing on each other and being jerks and dealing with life. And man, I'm so glad that series got recognized. It's great.
1: I know. Something that I think is really, really cool is just like, you know, you're used to seeing some of our folks here that are just the biggest names in comics right now. Um, It's just really cool to see somebody who's newer And maybe not to the world of writing by any stretch of the imagination, but newer to our world is really, really, really cool.
0: Yeah, I I, I wasn't familiar with his work until he came to Marvel. So, you know, everybody finds somebody a different way, which is pretty neat. Yeah. And then for Best Cover Artist, uh, Julian Tatino Tedesco got the nomination for his incredible covers for the current run of Daredevil. And uh, I think on marvel's Pulis, the other podcast i do with tucker marcus where we talk about new comics every time an issue of daredevil comes out one tucker steals it to talk about it because he loves that book more than anything and two he always praises those covers because they are very praiseworthy
1: they really have uh, such a nice way of sort of using limited color they're usually kind of like black and white with this very painted red which really makes it pop um they're really cool Next up, Best Writer, G. Willow Wilson for um, Ms. Marvel, as well as other titles. Her body of work is no doubt incredible. And, man, G. Willow Wilson, she's great.
0: Yeah. Um, we were just talking about Daredevil. Well, another Best Writer nominee is Chip Zdarsky, writer of Daredevil, as well as Spider-Man Life Story, which, we wow wow, that book rules so hard. <sighs> so good. And it's also, like... It's intense. It's it, it's gonna break your heart. That's all I'm gonna say about that one.
1: That's the thing that's so great about Chip's writing is he's such a comedian in his heart, and he's but he's got like that little sad clown component <laughs> where he'll like make you laugh, but when he makes you feel something, it makes it much sort of more bittersweet because you've had those highs. You know, when you read a sad book, you expect it to be sad. When yeah. you read a happy book, you don't expect it to have those layers. So. I know very nice. Yeah. Oh, next up, Best Coloring by Dave Stewart uh, from Silver Surfer Black and Spider-Man.
0: Dave is so good. He's sort of I look at it as like a prestige colorist because he doesn't do a ton of books for us. And you know, we have amazing colors, but he comes in on a title like Silver Surfer Black or Spider-Man with um with the Abrams family. And it's like, oh. Uh, and then uh our last of the shared nominations goes to clayton cowles letterer supreme he is up for best letterer tons and tons of titles yeah he he's so good he's got daredevil ghost spider silver surfer black superior spider man and venom on his list of titles uh plus a ton of others that aren't even for us look at the number of books that someone like clayton works on and oh my gosh it's wild because lettering a comic is not a simple thing it's not just putting letters down there's You know, a skilled letterer thinks about what what to do, how to place the balloons, where to go. Like, there's so much that goes into it back and forth. And especially because I don't know if everybody knows, sometimes the books are like rewritten up until the last minute, like little changes Mm -hmm. happen or mistakes accidentally fall in and they have to be fixed up into like the minutes before a book goes off to the printer. And um, they work really, really hard. So Clayton that is well deserved.
1: And it's so funny because of our shared nominees. Many of them have you know two, three credits. Clayton has like fifty. <laughs> <laughs> this year is there a book he's not lettering?
0: Yeah, I <laughs> it's know. Wild.
1: It's Wild, it's really wild. But congrats, congrats, congrats to all of the nominees. Um, We are pulling for you. Give them a shout out if you follow them on social media and give them some of your love.
0: And we'll have updates for you when the uh, winners are announced. Speaking of things that have been announced, Marvel's Avengers updates are on the way because the team behind the upcoming Marvel's Avengers console game announced some fun stuff through a video that they released recently. It's about a minute long and the video sort of like tees up that Hey, I know everybody is ready to, to to get some stuff. What's going on with the game? Well, now they're ready to share it. lots of new updates, uh, and that's going to happen on June 24th in what they're calling the Avengers War Table. The teaser video, which you can find on at Play Avengers or at Marvel Games or you know, all their um, the website and social pages for Marvel's Avengers. The teaser video, actually, even in itself, has some cool little looks at Hulk. Like, I think I see Hulk in his Planet Hulk, you know, um, gladiator armor. I think little bits of pieces of Iron Man. You see Kamala Khan. You see a whole bunch of cool stuff in there. Some of that I don't remember seeing publicly before. But the War Table itself, that's coming again June 24th, will feature new trailers, co-op gameplay, and story missions, which is huge they're saying this is what you guys are going to get mark your calendar we're going to show you a lot of cool stuff again you can watch the video for the teaser up on at marvel games at play avengers and then you can pre-order marvel's avengers right now which releases on september 4th for playstation 4 xbox one steam and stadia
1: thanks for all being patient obviously they're working very very hard to get out all of these games but we're all living in the same world
0: i'm excited though
1: I know that little trailer is really, really cool, um and I am very pumped to see what happens on june twenty fourth yeah, now we are going to take some comments and love from our community. uh The first one we have here is from John Swindler at the Swindler Ninety who said, Would love a Marvel Unlimited reading list with times our Marvel Heroes encountered racism slash bigotry like the X-Men, God Loves, Man Kills, Truth, Red, White, and Black, Avengers number 32, and more. It's important to read stories like these.
0: Totally agree. Um, I actually have already reached out to the Marvel Unlimited team. They're putting together a reading list of of books that are relevant to all this stuff. So if you're, you're a Marvel Unlimited subscriber, John, uh, check out the app. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, it'll be up there for you. I just re- recently reread Truth, Red, White, and Black yeah, too. a couple months ago and- that's that's a hard-hitting one, and I definitely suggest that. If you've never read that book, give it a read right now. And that's a wrap this week. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by of Verlin, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos.
1: Our audio development manager is Brad Barton.
0: Jill DeBoff is our director of audio.
1: And special thanks to you at home.
0: Yeah. Thank you for being with us. Stay safe. Be well. we'll talk to you next week. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel.
1: Your universe.